This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS, News Talk Sport. And with Edge away for another four weeks on world duties, uh, we have Dean Hennessy, our 250-game champion of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man in the co-host chair. The first edition news with Willem van Denner and shortly, but we've also got Derek Dyson, our ITN man, in to uh, work with us through the show and uh, a good week it is to have Derek in too with uh, a busy week in Europe. And while it's been a hectic week in the domestic game, with the ALEC kicking off tonight, we'll get started by looking back at the Socceroos and the Paul game, the World Cup game in Canberra. A convincing win, but probably not as convincing as many of us thought. And one of our favourite pundits, a man who never pulls a punch, Fox Sports, John Cosmina, will go through all of that with us. Then another Fox Sports man and one of the best analysts in the business, Daniel Garb, will get us started on our preview of the opening round of the A-League, which kicks off tonight with Adelaide United hosting Sydney FC. We'll continue the A-League discussion with the full panel to wrap up the hour. In the second hour, as we always do, we'll get kicked off with second edition news and a little more on the Socceroos and Matilda Central, of course, as I mentioned. It's been a busy week in Europe with a lot of qualifiers in the international breaks. Our our mate from the Athletic, Rob Tanner, is going to join us to go through all that um, and we'll extend the conversation a little bit after we, uh, we chat to Rob as well. We'll get it all wrapped up with stoppage time. But, Dino, um, your... Uh, Snapshot analysis. I know we're going to go through yeah. um, the the Socceroos, but uh, they just got the job done. Yeah, it was, and I was pleased for Jamie as well. A good hat trick, um, finished his goal as well. But yeah, most probably it wasn't a compelling performance, but just certainly did the job. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's what we need at this stage. Um, you know, you, look, I, I'm not uh, concerned that the opposition not not humiliated you know there was a, a pretty raucous Nepalese crowd there a, a yeah, lot of expats yeah and I heard uh, during the week um, Simon Hill was chatting on uh, on TV about uh, this huge expat um, Nepali uh, um, uh, diaspora who live in the um, the west of Sydney with their own competition as right, well okay. so yeah so uh, a lot of them travelled and um, you know I've got a, a, a a carer for Alexander, who's uh, from Nepal. She was very proud, mate, uh, that her country uh, were, were flying the flag. So, yeah, good to see. All right, well, uh, over to you, Willem. Uh, get us started, brother. Yeah, Rob. So the top story is the Socceroos, who've continued the road to Qatar with a comfortable 5-0 win over Nepal, as you mentioned. It was Jamie McLaren's hat-trick and two goals from debutant Harry Sutar who got the job done. So, yeah, it was wrapped up at half-time in the convincing first 45. The second half was less impressive, but I wasn't too concerned. I'll take this opportunity, which I should have already done, to welcome Derek um, to the show. Derek, uh, you watched the game, um, you know, comparing it to your usual diet of international football. The, uh, the pace, let's just say, was a little slower. It felt uh, a little bit like a training match, lads, to be honest with you. Um, in Nepal, we're very clear with their strategy of just dropping very deep um, and it allowed Australia all the time that they needed to to play their passing game. Um you almost feel sometimes with these games that you can drop to the level of the opposition. So I'm sure Australia are capable of much more compelling, uh, high-tempo performances. It just wasn't required. The ABC has partnered with Australian Football and will be the free-to-air broadcaster of the A-League, W-League, Socceroos and Matildas for the next two years. 29 live A-League matches will be broadcast, with the vast majority of these coming in the Saturday afternoon slot. The 4pm Sunday kickoff will be broadcast for the W-League. 
Notably, only some of the A-League finals will be broadcast and these will come on delay. Yeah, look, I think that um, is fair enough with the money that um, that Fox put Fort's putting compared to the ABC. But at least um, yeah, there is some free-to-wear football uh, um, on uh, on television. I know the A-League uh, through the Network 10 have flirted with... Uh, with uh, free to wear over the journey, but um, the numbers just don't stack up, and uh, it's a commercial business. The uh, the commercial free to wear channels are just not going to, to pay the big dollars uh, until the big audiences are delivered. Yeah, I suppose like with um, on free to wear, at least there's more a catchment of people who can actually watch the A League if they're not, you know, especially when the interstate games are on. Mm. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, Fox have obviously got the the agreement, so mm. you know, obviously we need to honour that. Exactly. I think a vast majority of those matches also include Wellington, which is maybe not the audience they were trying to attract, but we'll see how it goes. Four Ollie Roos players have been issued with show cause notices after a complaint was made about their behaviour in uh, Phnom Penh, Cambodia, earlier this year. Riley McGree, Nathaniel Atkinson, Lockie Wales and Brandon Wilson have all been issued with please explains by the FFA following a potential breach of curfew. Ollie Roos boss at the time, Graham Arnold, has said he's not responsible for their actions. Yeah, we'll watch this. Um, he, he shouldn't be responsible for their actions, but unfortunately when you've got oversight of a group of young men, um, there's uh, always going to be some backwash on the, the leaders uh, of the group, so um, you, you can't wash your hands entirely of, of the situation. That said, they are young men, they're adults, and uh, they ought to know how to behave. Uh, they're wearing the, the national colours and representing the country. So uh, um, if um, there is uh, you know, some substance to these charges, then uh, whatever the consequences are, they've got to cop their right whack, don't they? No, I totally agree. I mean, rules are rules. I mean, you know, they're representing the country and if the curfew's put in. I mean, look, we've all, we've all like, uh, mm-hmm. from time to time, uh, stretched the friendship. But mm. I think, uh, yeah, look, I think if they don't, get punished then they'll never learn so. well, I, I guess the only counterpoint I'd make to my own observation on that um, is that uh uh, I, I do remember my uh, younger days in the police force, and uh, you know the, the, the first time you'd, you'd pick up a, a, a crim and, uh, and he had a clean sheet, and uh, and he said, "It's the first time I've ever done it." You say, "Geez, you're unlucky, mate. First <laughs> time you've ever done a break and enter, is it?" And you, you got caught. Well, that's just bad luck for you, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, sometimes it does happen that uh, it might be uh, a repeat offence. But anyway, we'll watch that space. Hopefully, that's all there is to it, and um, it's just a breaking of curfew, and there's nothing more to find out on that story. Alessandro Diamante has been named Western United's inaugural captain as they prepare for their first A-League clash with Wellington on Sunday. Well, of course, Mark Mark Rudin's returned to Wellington after he, well, pretty much legged it a year into his deal. His replacement, Ufuk Tale, has urged Phoenix fans to boo Rudan, but to do so respectfully. What do you make of that one, Dino? Can you have it both ways? Ah, <laughs> oh, look, I don't know. Uh, Steve Smith, yeah, Dave Warner. Well, look, yeah, they, they got through it pretty well. But, um, yeah, look, booing's booing. I mean, it's all part of football, whether they do or they don't. But to be fair to Mark Rudan, he did a really good job last year um, with Wellington. And... I mean, he almost saved the entire club. If, if they hadn't have got the result that they've got, uh, admittedly, uh, a lot changed in the, the time, um, you know, from the uh, the head office point of view. But uh, but he, he gave them back their credibility. No, without doubt. You know, and that's why I think he's, uh, you know, I think Bowen's Look, I know it happens in football, but I think we can be better than that. And touching on one from uh, an interview from a couple of weeks ago, Wollongong Wolves last Sunday claimed the MPL national title, defeating Lions FC of Queensland 4-3 in extra time. It completed the double for Luke Wilkshire's side, who had earlier claimed their first NPL title in 31 years. They yeah. booked a spot in the last 32 for next year's FFA Cup, and Wilkshire continues to impress. He does, doesn't he? Um, it's uh, it's great to see uh, the... Um, that. Well, I mean, I know when we talked to Luke, it was... Uh, uh, 
an exciting conversation, for want of a better word, that uh, uh, that was marking for us the emergence of uh, of one of that golden generation of the Socceroos stepping up into to the, the the next level. Because to be honest, um, you know, admittedly, it's only probably ten, a little over ten years on from. Um, you know the the end of the career of some of the senior players of yep. that era, so uh, it's probably a little too soon to expect that uh, that many of them would have stepped in. I mean, I know um, Harry Kuehl, uh, um has. Uh, had a crack at it, and um, you know he sort of uh, sort of regroup after um, uh, being uh, torched by your old mob. Yeah, but, my um, old mob, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 a great thing, isn't it, Tina? No, it is, and I think it's good for Luke as well. I mean, he's uh, you know he, he came across really well when we had him on the show, um, and it's it's a good milestone for him. You know, he's you know his first year technically with football, he's uh, he's won something and won it on a national stage. So well done. Exactly. All right, boys, good start. Um, let's. Um, Go to the break because uh, there's a hell of a lot to talk about with uh, John Cosmina, Daniel Garb after that, and a lot of A-League news. So stick around. That's all coming up on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal. Well, we expected it to be uh, a walk in the park, but um, respect the opponent. And uh, look, to, the, to be fair, five nil um, was not the, the absolute hammering that um, that some expected, particularly after the early stages. So Australia um, continue on their uh, road to Qatar with um, with all the results they need to discuss the details of that game, how it all played out. A former soccer himself and uh, champion of the uh, the domestic game, he played with Arsenal as well. John Cosmina, welcome back to Box to Box. Good morning, guys. Hey, Cosy. Um, what did you make of it? it? It, you know, we we talked about it in the um, in the opener as a sort of um, you know glorified training run almost. That uh, you know the Nepalese just sat back and allowed the uh, Australian team to do what they needed to do, limit the damage. Um, did did you see much there? I mean, Jamie McLaren confidence, uh, hat trick, Harry Souter, you know, two on debut. Um, what would you what did you make of it? I mean, you start with Harry first. He probably didn't have to do what his normal job would be, and that was defend. Yeah. Um, his opportunities were limited. Look, Jamie's good in the box, and in difficult situations like that where you've got a lot of defenders that just were putting numbers behind the ball and, and throwing themselves with desperation at, at everything, it would, um, he's handy because he's always on the move in the box, and that's a good thing for a striker. That's why he picks up those little tap-ins all the time. Um, he's always looking and anticipating where the ball's going to drop. So from Jamie McLaren's point of view, it was good as well. They were all good finishes. He got into the right areas. Um, he anticipates how the action's going to finish. Um, so that's why he gets on the end of things so often. But um, I wouldn't say it's a glorified training run because there was something at stake. Um, I mean, you can have your training runs, um, but they don't get that same match intensity. Last night was difficult just because of the way the Nepalese played. Or Nepalese, however you want to call them. Um, and you know they they were they were a naive football team. It was it was like you know at times I felt a bit sorry for them. But then, then Andy Harper made a comment about you know they actually get like ten dollars a month to play football. Um, it put a lot of things in perspective, um, especially when you you hear about some of the complaints our A League players have got to make about um, their condition, their work conditions in Australia. So maybe life's not too bad after all. Um, but no, it was a decent hit out um, I think there's a few things the Aussies need to improve on A few passes went awry uh, Probably a little bit too often um, But you've got guys like Aziz Bates That hasn't played a lot of football For example, Ryan Grant um, Who had a good game, I thought and he, you know, He's only at the beginning of his season So um, you've got, I guess, situations like that Where things are only going to improve 
I would like to see a little bit more, uh, and I think Andy Harper again mentioned the creativity in the front third. I think it's difficult because when you have a team that sits back like the Nepalese did, then um, probably the only way to get past them is to get around the outsides and relied a lot on crossing into the box. And I think the delivery at times is, could have been a little bit more um, precise um, and a bit more thoughtful, but um, I'd like to see a little bit more combination play around the edge of the box um, where we actually get players in behind um, into areas within the box, not around the edge of the box and the, where you got to cross to the back post or cut it back to the top of the box or whatever. Cosy, just on uh, Jamie McLaren, uh, pretty close to the family. Obviously, I was playing with his dad, Donny, um, and obviously I know uh, Donny's brother as well. He was involved at Derby when... Uh, uh, back in the in the 80s, um, and they're, they're a good family, and he's a good lad. And and I think what I'm asking from your point of view, do you think he's done enough to to be the number nine now as as a permanent fixture, or who else do you think's knocking on the door to possibly push him out? No, I think Arnie, to, as a coach, he's got to look at, and you would understand this, have to look at um, each match differently. Yeah. Depends on what type of opposition you're playing against. Yeah. I mean, last night Jamie was was good for um, that kind of play because, he, you know, we got a lot of... I think, you know, Graham Arnold actually probably anticipated we'd get a lot of ball into the box um, and you need a poacher like Jamie. Um, whereas against a different type of opposition where you've got um, two bigger centre-backs with a team that, that plays a bit more, that can have a bit more um, possession and a bit more presence so the game opens up a little bit more, you might want to use someone like a Apostolosciano who I think is a pretty good player as well. Um, and then again, you've got Adam Taggart that, you know, it's uh, club level, he's done exceptionally well, whether it's been in Australia or, or now in South Korea, but he always seems to struggle when it gets to the national team. Um, but he's another different sort of striker, again, that can come off into those little spaces um, in between the centre-backs and the midfield. Uh, and he, he does that quite well, uh, and he can finish. He, can, uh, he gets into good areas in the box as well. So um, you've got three different types of strikers. Um, that would suit three different ways of playing. And I think that's what Graham's looking for, a little bit of versatility in, in how they go about their business um, so you can vary it against different different teams. So, no, I think he's done enough to certainly keep his spot in the squad. But as a you know, first pick number nine and say this is the way we're going to play, uh, I think there's still a bit of work to be done. Yeah, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport, reviewing the uh, Socceroos Nepal World Cup qualifier. Now, you mentioned strikers only played two strikers in the second half. Didn't seem to work. Um, does he persist with it? Um, I'd see no problem with being able to play two strikers. I mean, Arnie reverted back to his Sydney FC system where he had um, like two nines, two tens and, and two sixes. And then when he dropped Jackson Irvine back alongside Martin Milligan. Um, so, um, you know, that it's, it's good to be tactically versatile and you need to be in a, in a World Cup campaign because you, you play against different types of teams and if things aren't working one way, you need to have the, the aptitude to be able to, to change it. In regards to, um, obviously, games coming up, um, what do you think... Chinese Taipei on Tuesday, Tuesday away yeah. and in the Jordan away in uh, November. That's the, that's the, the next two. So that's the window that we've got now is like in a month, month and a half. What Obviously the expectation is to win both of those games and that most probably would be enough, do you think? Oh, for this first phase, yeah. Look, Chinese Taipei I don't think will cause a lot of problems. It's good to get your away games out of the way yeah. earlier, um, especially the tougher ones. Chinese Taipei, I mean, the, the guys will travel 
you know, off the back of a, a solid performance last night. There's a, it's a big squad if you look at the size of the substitute bench last night. So we've got um, plenty of fresh legs if you need them. And so you get two games together. The Jordan one's going to be a tough one. They've caused us all sorts of grief in the past. So that'll be a good indicator of really where this team's at and where Graham's at with his, his tactical philosophy as well. And uh, in terms of tactical philosophy and, and, and the, the talent that we have at hand, uh, uh, the, um, the the road to Qatar is going to be a fairly long one. We're still uh, you know, a good um, two and a half years away from, from 2022. We will see players emerge, um, uh, younger players uh, and, um, and, and others uh, in, uh, in international uh, competitions. Are there players on, on the, the, the radar that you see that, that were not uh, um, there last night that, um, that, that you think that, uh, that Arnie should uh, be giving some consideration to? No doubt there's some players overseas, but if you want to go look at locally, I mean, Riley McGree, for me, um, if his advice is current scandal he's involved in, mm. um, will certainly be one that, um, he's a game changer. I think he's a fantastic footballer. Um, he's in the Olympic squad. The Olympics are next year. Mm. Um, so, you know, he'll certainly be knocking on the door of the, the senior side because he is a number 10 Um and he can play. He's very clever in those little tight areas around the edge of the box, either side of the D. So he um, he's one that would certainly come up. Um, Jog my memory, guys, because it's too early in the morning for me. Yeah, Who else is there locally? Yeah. That, um, yeah, the other Ollie Roos, I'm, I'm sure that, that Graham would have to take into consideration as well. He's also got to look at... You know, well, I guess there's players like Daniel Arzani well. that need to, to come back and, um, and, you know, and what he can do. He was, he was you know, in, in that Russian campaign, um, that combination that he had with da- uh, Jackson Irvine uh, was, uh, was one... Yeah, Arzani's definitely... But, but Graham's already made some talk about him saying, you know, he needs to be playing at Celtic or moving on from Celtic. Mm. Um, and we'll see what happens when he gets back to full fitness and... Yeah. Um, just what how it's going to pan out with with his his parent club Manchester City. Yeah, and you mentioned that uh, that point about McGree. Uh, do, do you know much more about that? I mean, is this a no, storm in a teacup, no, or is it something that um, that we need to be really worried about? No, look, I, it's a tough one. You know, the Arnie haters have gone out and said, you know, he's avoided responsibility. But how much responsibility do you take as a coach if you set rules for players and, and they are broken? No one knows the full story. Um, no, I mean, if you get in, get myself in trouble, you're saying boys will be boys. It's um, They've had a bit of a night out after, or they've had a bit of fun after a tournament. Uh, they may have broken some protocols, so um, they have to wear the responsibility for it. It's life's a lot different it, um, than it used to be. No one used to care mm. <laughs> about what you got up to after a game. Now, it, um, now it's always going to make the headlines. And if these guys have, have broken rules and, and done something they shouldn't have, then they have to wear the, the consequences of that. Yeah, well, that's true. And we've said that uh, as well. As long as that's all they did, and um, and they got out in the uh, on the uh, the streets and uh, had had um, a few drinks after curfew, so hopefully that's all there was to it, and um, and we don't hear any more. Cosy, mate, thanks very much. Um, the uh, we, I guess we you know we should never take it for granted. Um, Derek is a relatively recent arrival to our shores. He's in the studio tonight, and I was showing him some footage of uh, of that infamous uh, night in Melbourne in 1997. So we don't take anything for granted when it comes to World Cups in this country, do we, mate? No, you can't do. Yeah, absolutely. Can't do. Thanks, Cosy. Talk to you next no time. No problem. Cheers, Cosmo. Bye-bye. The legend that is John Cosman. All right, stick around. Daniel Garb next. Uh, we're going to get back into the A-League, break down the, uh, you know, the, the bigger picture, the uh, the, the um, expectations that we can have around this competition, uh, which is, uh, you know, let's face it, been in a little bit of a malaise in recent times, but hopefully uh, is about to emerge. Daniel Garb, Fox Sports, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? 
The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talks, but we often talk about it. People in football in this country always talk about the world's longest sporting off-season. It is over tonight when Adelaide hosts Sydney FC. And a man who is across all of it, uh, one of the best voices on football across the world in this country is Fox Sports' Daniel Garv, and uh, he's a relative regular on this show. Welcome back, Daniel. Looking forward to tonight. I am, yeah. It's been... Um a nice build-up to it. The Socceroos playing last night, and uh, the A-League season kicks off tonight. Adelaide against Sydney, the champions. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long wait, as you said, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion in football about everything but the football, but uh, the game takes charge again this evening, so looking forward. So, Daniel, um, from the, the bigger picture point of view, um, you know, I was a little disappointed when we saw the fixture and uh, uh, the uh, the team that we'd been waiting to join the competition uh, uh, get sent over the ditch to play against Wellington and um, you know we know that Wellington uh, needed uh, you know some sort of rivalry to build up and, and it makes sense with the Rudin um, um, connection there but uh, that sort of is an opportunity missed to me Western Sydney Wanderers uh, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere at Parramatta tomorrow afternoon but uh, but why couldn't the FFA or the A-League have fixed a derby I mean I don't want to be too much of a critic on the uh, on the eve of the season but these these just seem obvious things to me yeah I mean that's a fair point um, I don't see why but oh, it's a Melbourne derby to start that's big and then you know you've got a Sydney derby coming up uh, round two and, uh, and then we'll see Western United's first home game next week so yeah I mean I I would have liked to have seen probably Western United open. Uh, sorry, Western Wanderers open the season with their new stadium, or Western United, the new club. Probably the Wanderers, to be honest, considering you know they'll have a healthy crowd. But that's just the way it is. I mean, there's reasons for all of this. There's probably things in the background that we don't know about. Um, clubs with demand for, for different reasons. So you just have to roll with it in that, in that regard. But you know, I think we're also at the stage in Australian football where we you know we can't nitpick at things all the time and. Uh, and, uh, and ask why this fixture isn't played when, and that would have made a difference. All our clubs just need to get their act together, pure and simple. Everyone just needs to lift and, uh, and, and not make excuses for little things here and there. And uh, if we do that, then uh, hopefully it will all grow together. But uh, week one of the season, anyway, there should be healthy crowds all over the country. Garby, it's Dean here. Hope you're well. Thanks, Dean. I am. How are you? Yeah, good. Now, obviously, in the, we've, we've gone through the FFA Cup. We've gone through all the pre-season. Now we're at the pointy end of, obviously, the start of the season. Who who, and what teams, uh, in your eyes, have, has caught your imagination who could possibly, you know, go very, very close to winning the whole thing? Yeah, well, I think there's... I think in everyone's predictions, there are two that have separated, and that is victory in Sydney in terms of a pre-season pick, um, the champion Sydney FC and then the victory again, they're always strong but you look at you know, the signing of Andrew Naboot coming back, Robbie Cruz who's unavailable this week but you know, look at some of their international players as well that they've signed the guy Jakob Poulsen seems to have wonderful pedigree, uh, Tim Hoogland as well, they've got some very strong players in their squad, the same with Sydney FC bringing in Costa Barbarousas and uh, um, you know, Josh Brillante in, uh, in midfield sorry Luke Bratton, Brillante's gone to Melbourne City, Luke Bratton in midfield and, uh, and a few others. So, they're the two teams that have probably separated themselves. Melbourne City as well. We're hearing good things about them. And they've had a very good run in the FFA Cup to the final, of course. Their main signing, Craig Noon, who will play alongside Jamie McLaren, 
uh, in attack. And McLaren, obviously, in very sharp form, spoke to the Socceroos last night and uh, in general. Uh, I think they'll be a lot better in attack and they're a team to watch. But uh, Sydney and Victory for mine are the only two that I feel confident picking as a champion right now. And I've been jostling between the two. I'm picking and sticking with the Victory at this stage. But uh, Sydney FC right up there with him. And then you've got the next bracket down, which is Melbourne City. Perth Glory, I think, will be up there again. The Wanderers should jump up. And then you've got the likes of Adelaide and Brisbane. And even Western United, they've got a really good squad who are slightly more unknown. Yeah, Carby, I was going to ask you about um, Western United. Obviously, there's a, a number of... Uh, Relatively high profile or big names in that squad, albeit maybe at the, the in the uh, September of their careers. Do you think they can really make an impact on the league this year? I do. The only worry with them is that you know, their crowds will be small, let's be honest. Uh, there's no beating around the bush on that one. They're not going to have fervent support. And then when, play, when you're playing with the majority of your games in an AFL ground at Cadinia Park, that's going to affect them a bit. But their squad is strong. Uh, Panagiotis, Kone, Alessandro Diamante, Scott McDonald. Yes, all at the end of their careers, but very talented footballers. But they've also got some good youngsters they've brought in as well. Uh, they've also got the best goalkeeper in the A-League from last season, Philip Curto from the Wellington Phoenix. And lots of good young players, Sebastian Pasquale, Max Burgess, who looked very strong last season at the Phoenix. And a fair few more, Josh Risden, you know, soccer is right back at the World Cup a year ago. He comes into their team. I think on the on the field they'll be very strong. I reckon they can make the finals. It's just how much of an impact the lack of crowd support uh, is on Western United, but they'll probably get used to that as the season goes on and find a way to to get through it. Yeah, Garby, I was just going to just touch on. I'm just looking at last season's um, uh, league table. You know, from the home and away, and obviously Central Coast. Um, obviously, there was a change very late there with Stadge going in. Brisbane Raw now with Robbie Fowler. Just use those two as a guide. So, how do you think both of these will fare? Because I'm hearing some really good stuff about Brisbane, um, and, yeah. and, and 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 they're pretty confident they're going to have a really decent side. The Mariners will be better. That's not hard. Let's be honest. Yep. They'll be a team that will get close to the finals, but they'll be better. They won't be a laughing stock. They'll be solid, but I just don't think they'll have the quality to make the top six. Brisbane are fascinating in every which way. I mean, yeah. Robbie Fowler is unproven as a coach, let's be honest, but he's done absolutely nothing wrong up until this point. I just admire the way he's gone about it enormously because we all know his stature in the game. He's a, he's a legend. Yet he's been on Twitter, Robbie Fowler, rallying support for SFA Cup games, rallying support from fans for pre-season games. That's not beneath him. He's been happy to do that. Plenty others with his reputation in the game, would say, no, that's not for me. Um, his recruitment has been scrutinised fairly in the sense that a lot of the players he's brought in from uh, England and Scotland and the like are unknown, are journeyman-type players. But they're not, they're not old. They are you know, young enough. And he got them all in early. That's what I like about what Fowler did. He got these guys in two, three months ago. And he got them all in one batch. So he knew who the players were. He didn't mess around. He, they weren't coming in drips and drabs. They were all in together. And they've been building for the last couple of months, ready for the season to start. So he's done everything very well in that regard. He's also signed some good Aussie players. Stefan Mork, Braddon Inman, was in the Socceroos squad a couple of years ago. Uh, he's a player who can add some goal-scoring power for them. Roy O'Donovan knows how to score in this league. So... We'll wait and see if Robbie can pull it all together now, basically, and uh, and make them a competitive team. But uh, 
you know, if they if they are, there's a really strong force there in Brisbane because of the, the appeal of Fowler. So I really hope they go well. I'm excited to see what Brisbane can do. And I think they will be a team that gets around the top six mark. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Fox Sports, Daniel Garb on the eve of the A-League season. And, and yeah, to, to end with a positive, Daniel, as you say, um, Robbie Fowler, not only could he uh, have a big impact on uh, football in Brisbane, but um, but if he can uh, start his uh, managerial career off in Australia um, with uh, some success, it's going to put the A-League um, on the map um, in, uh, in the UK at the very least and uh, hopefully get some uh, eyeballs uh, on it, at least to raise the, the awareness and attention um, over in uh, in England. Oh, exactly right. I mean, he, he won that SSA Cup game first up against Sydney FC away, and you had Jamie Carragher and uh, Stephen Gerrard and other prominent people from Liverpool all, you know, tweeting congratulations to Robbie Fowler. That's what it does. And uh, they'll take notice of, of what happens. But also locally, I mean, you know, all of a sudden news directors are thinking about what to show on, on the news, where to go, where to send their cameras during the day. Mm. Brisbane are going well. Robbie Fowler speaking. Yep, there we go. That'll work. That's a good name. It's easy for us to, to sell on TV. It's as simple as that. So that's the gamble that Brisbane took. And, and that's what they took into account when appointing Robbie Fowler. And the fact that he's unproven means it could go the other way. But you know, sometimes you've got to take a punt in life. Hopefully it works out for him, for Brisbane and for the A-League as a result. Yeah, exactly. All right, Garby, well, thanks again, mate. Enjoy the season. Enjoy the opener uh, this weekend. Uh, Mate, we're really grateful for your analysis and uh, uh, we'll talk to you during the course of the season. Okay, thanks, guys. Fox Sports, Daniel Garb. So uh, the Robbie Fowler story, I guess, uh, is the one that we're, we're all aware of, um, and uh, and we know, uh, yeah, it um, it could be the big thing. I mean, I know I, I was probably a little negative um, in my opening sort of gambit to to Garby about what I, I'm not happy with, but uh, uh, but we do have to focus on on the positives and 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 you know and be optimistic about some of uh, the potential for, for for good things to happen. Yeah, without doubt. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting with Robbie. Fowler because great player doesn't always equal great manager but as Garby said he hasn't put a foot wrong yet so far and seems very organised and professional so good luck to him looking forward to it yeah absolutely and um, and with his um, his old club not doing too bad um, on the other side of the world um, there might be a nice little alignment there can you just imagine that Liverpool win Brisbane win everybody is happy is that right <laughs> Not everybody. <laughs> Not everybody. <laughs> all right, boys, stick around. We're going to continue on the A-League. We're going to go through our tips. We're going to get Willem back in all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box. Um, so we've been through the, the sort of broader picture with Daniel on the A-League, uh, which kicks off. This weekend, but um, now it's time to the sharp end. Back to the tipping. Um, now, uh, Dino, before I get into it, Michael hasn't submitted his tips, That's which is a controversial issue. No, it is. It's a um, <laughs> controversial issue in this studio because we we do uh, like to sort of get everyone on on an equal uh, playing field. So we'll have to address that with um, management. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> we'll stand by on that. But uh, the first game tonight, um, Adelaide host Sydney FC. Look, to be honest, it, it's an unusual draw. Uh, a few people that I've asked this week um, are just um, a little dumbfounded about the way that the um, the, the fixtures uh, being created, most specifically by by sending Western United over to, to Wellington. But there's nothing that can be done about that now. 
Mm. Um, so looking forward to tonight. Uh, Gert Jan Verbeek, his uh, his first um, match in charge. So Derek, you, you, you've um, since you got involved with us, um, you've you, you look you're a, a pretty um, stock standard Euro snob um, as things go with your football. Um, I don't think you can deny that. Um, <laughs> that's, um, that's, uh, um, but you but you you've decided given that you've made a commitment to this program that you're going to make an effort to uh, to get involved in the A League. You've adopted a team. Um, do you have any defence to that charge? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> but I have decided to adopt a team for, for this year, and that team is Western United. Mm-hmm. Um, no one can accuse me of being a glory hunter because we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and it, look, for me, it's quite interesting just being somewhere where the team, a new team is being birthed. It's not something that we've... No, you, 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 you're yeah. uncertain uh, about the... Exactly, about uh, going with Liverpool and the Robbie Fowler story, mm. about the, the, your Arsenal uh, allegiances sort of, uh, uh, and the fact that you live in Melbourne um, help make the decision. Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll see how it goes this season. I mean, I, I was telling Rob earlier this week, I think you can only really support and follow one club, and the, for me, that's Arsenal. But I'm prepared to give Western United a crack. There's a good, good sort of groundswell there, it seems, and mm-hmm. exciting squad that they've managed to pull together, and mm-hmm. I'm expecting great things from them. Okay, your new team. Well, not your new team, but at least the team you're just going to be paying a closer interest in. So, guys, um, Adelaide, uh, they're uh, in the uh, FFA Cup final. They've uh, uh, been in uh, in some, um, um, you know, all the best of good pre-season form, Willem. Signing of Troisi in the last week's massive for mine. I think mm. looking at that squad, they were a little bit reliant on Riley McGree in attacking areas. So JT coming in. Well, they might need him if, um, if that story um, exactly. that you uh, discussed in the early stages of the show um, has got any legs to it. If um, if Riley's uh, Ollie Ruse um, uh, capers uh, put him on the sideline for a little while. Exactly right. News also in that Al Hassan Torre, who's been excellent in the cup, has earned his first start this evening. Okay, excellent. So uh, so what's our all-round predictions? Um, uh, Sydney, uh, amazing result in the grand final um, over there in Perth. Um, they um, they just did what Sydney do. Steve Corica, uh, uh, surely up and about um, the um, you know the uh, the championship is one thing, but um, to be the title holders in in football is is what it's all about. Yeah, they're a machine, Sydney, and they've booked in for maintenance over the off season as they do. They've gone and got the best players from a couple of their biggest rivals. I. I'm a big fan of what Adelaide are doing with Gert Janvik, but I'll go for Sydney this evening. Okay, um, so uh, we've got, I'm, I'm going to go for, for Adelaide, the home team in this one. I think that um, early season form uh, with the FFA Cup, um, that there'll be a good crowd there. Um, the uh, the local um, uh, clubs in the um, in the AFL have uh, been performing like um, the proverbial bustards. So uh, uh, I think Adelaide, hopefully um, for them, will 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 take this opportunity. Sydney FC for me, um, I think. Um I just think they're, they're just going to have a, too much quality with their new signings, and uh, I'm pretty buoyed about their uh, season ahead with uh, Stevie Corica again. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dino in the FC. Squad's still looking really strong, and yeah, another win there. Okay, so double header tomorrow um, gets underway with uh, uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, really looking. This is forward. exciting. This. It's massive because it's the the first game the Wanderers uh, will have played uh, in the A League. Uh, obviously, they they played Leeds um, in that that early game, but uh, uh, the Parramatta Stadium, Bankwest Stadium, um, uh, the uh, you know the Mariners. Uh, that's only an hour and a half up the road, so they come down the F5, and uh, uh, it should be uh, uh, you know a, a, like a real festival um, atmosphere. 
year. I, I don't think um, well, Alan Stajic has put a, a backbone into that mob. Uh, they 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 were um, uh, as strong as uh, you could reasonably have expected them to be um, in in the FFA Cup. I think they'll be competitive and it'll be a good game. But I think the Wanderers win. We'll see how they go. I've actually got them finishing last this season. Unfortunately, there's still just too many players in that squad that could go either way. I think uh, Tommy or Daniel De Silva really need to grab this campaign. Uh, huge moment for the Wanderers, really exciting. A lot of people have been waiting a long time for this stadium, so I'll back them in 3 0. Yeah, look, um, that's Western, yeah? yeah Western right. Sydney, yeah. Yep. I agree with that. Um, look, I, I'm not sure about the score. Uh, it might be closer than that, but um, I just think with the new stadium, you know, if you don't you don't make a real big bang on the first game of the season and, and put a statement down, I, I think uh, there'll be a bit of pressure on that, and that's maybe give Central Coast possibly an opportunity to nick something but I still think um, and that's um, one of the, the games that I, I that, that I question the, the, the fixture as well I mean why wouldn't they put a have put a derby on at that game in the very first round it doesn't yeah, make true. sense to me Derek uh, draw draw for me two mm. two got mediocre sides so probably um, cancel each other out okay so uh, Marvel Stadium in Melbourne this is the, obviously the marquee match uh, of, of the round the, the Melbourne Derby the traditional Melbourne Derby now the Western United are in there'll be another one but uh, uh, victory ostensibly the home team against Melbourne City uh, this is the most balanced Melbourne City squad I think I've seen. I think so. I think a few years ago, you look at Moy Fornaroli scoring a heap of goals, but conceding just as many of them last year. Joycey playing seven defenders and shuffling <laughs> them across the midfield. Um, so I actually am picking Sydney uh, City to finish second this year, but without McLaren, they might struggle in this one. So I'll go for a draw. Yeah, well, McLaren uh, scored all his goals for the Socceroos, didn't he? So yeah. I, I don't understand why he can't um, come back and play in the in the game this weekend. Is there any chance of? Because he's got to go to Chinese Taipei and do yeah, it again. Yeah, I guess for the that's, a point. that's a really dumb thing to say, wasn't it? So uh, um, that um, you know, pretty. Um, I didn't think before I opened my mouth. But anyway, uh, boys, I I was at the Melbourne Victory season launch at the Crown Palladium. A thousand people, probably one of the best business lunches uh, of any sport. Yeah, they do well. Yeah, they they do really well. And um, and look, they they didn't make uh, uh, much. Kevin Musket's name was only mentioned once. Um, uh, Marco Kurtz um, was on stage with the players and... uh, um, they um, they seem to to have um, a lot of uh, excitement about them. I think uh, with Robbie Cruz and Andrew Naboot um, back in that squad, yep. uh, there is incredible firepower there. Uh, it, it's going to be a really good game. Being a cracking uh, game because so, uh, City have done really well as well in this FA FFA Cup. They have, and 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 um, and with that um, obvious knowledge that um, Jamie McLaren, who's not going to be there, as we all know, uh, is not going to be there. <laughs> I think uh, that um, that victory will be too strong. Yeah, so you're going for victory. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit undecided. I've, I fancy City, but I, I think Willem's draw is looking more appetising than anything else. So I might just go with Willem and a draw. Uh, I'm going to go for a victory for victory. Um, they seem to have the better of this fixture historically, and um, could see them nicking it with a couple of their a good new good new signings in the squad. Okay. Just on the uh, the Kevin Musket thing, I mm. think it's important as well, especially with Marco Kurtz being in the league itself. He's a, he's, he's a name. We know who he is. He's had, done a great job over there, and I think that's where you need to just move on from it. It's hard because Muskie's been mm. there and mm. like for as a player and as a coach. So I get both sides, mm. and he's now doing the TV. I saw him last night on the international yeah, thing, and, and, he, and yeah. he was good on it. You know, he comes across great. So I think it's a new venture for him, and he'll eventually get back into the game. 
Fair enough. Well, uh, uh, that last game, that 6-1 loss, um, uh, was uh, was humiliating. So uh, it surprised me that they even mentioned it on the day, to be perfectly frank. OK, so Sunday, uh, uh, the um, the Western United go around for the first time against Wellington Phoenix. Uh, uh, they, um, yeah, the unknown quantity, uh, what do they do? Do they... Um, do they um, Get their, um, you know, their their history off um, to to the best of starts. Um, are they a clunky side? It's all going to emerge on Sunday afternoon. I just think Wellington, even though they've had a few, uh, um, a fair bit of disruption with the, a new manager and and some players leaving the club. I, I just think that at home that there's enough about them to to pick them to win. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wellington as well. I like what Western United have done. I just think with the last couple of names they've added, they just look a little bit old. So. Hopefully, they, as the season wears on, that might sort of come back to bite them a little bit. I'll go with Wellington. There's a massive amount of unknown about them. Mm. But uh, apparently, Talley is going to play an attacking formation. He uh, mentioned Postacoglu as one of his biggest managerial influences. So, yeah, we'll see what their imports can do. I'll go with Wellington. What do we think about the um, the fixture here generally for Western United? I think know, it's ridiculous. It just doesn't make they... any sense. The A-League's been struggling uh, for a couple of years now and to, to introduce a new club uh, after you know years and years of talk about you know when expansion would occur and to send them over to New Zealand um, just makes no sense at all. The counterpoint to that is that I think Wellington and David Dome requested this fixture given the Rudan history. This mm. is The A-League's been criticised for not having enough sort of narrative and storylines over mm. the years. This is one that's fallen right in their lap, so I don't have a problem with yeah, you know, well, sending why, them over there first up. They'll well, be in Geelong next make week. Make it round two, round three, mate. Um, okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, you know they 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 needed to 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 get a big crowd anyway. Um, yep. Wellington for me. Uh, Wellington, um, off Um uh, good assistant at Sydney last year, and uh, I know him pretty well. And I think he'll uh, he'll become a good manager. Okay. So in the final game, the uh, the premiers uh, Perth Glory. The disappointment will still loom heavily over that team of not being able to to do the double um, popper at home to uh, to Robbie Fowler's Brisbane Roar. Derek, I'll let you um, start off with that. I, I think um, Perth are just going to win that game, but um, I'll be really interested to see what Robbie Fowler can do um, in his uh, his debut with Brisbane. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how quickly uh, Robbie Fowler can can have an impact on on this team. Um, but yeah, it's it's as tough a opening uh, fixture as you're going to get for for him, and he's now learned that Australia is a big country. It's not like just getting going up the road for your first fixture. They're going to fly four and a half hours over there and get the players acclimatised, etc. So, I'm not expecting a great start, but I'll be interested to see how this team goes. Uh, I've got a little bit of intel from Brisbane, mm. and um, I'm pretty buoyed about their their chances this year. They're they're a good side. Um, so where's your intel from, Dan? Uh, one of the players who's uh, on his comeback trail. Mm-hmm. So I think we can work that out who that is. But he's saying. Well, for those who uh, are not able. Jack Inger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jack's not ready yet. He's most probably three, four weeks away. But he says the training standards are unbelievable. Okay. He said he said it's like a, a proper game every day. And yeah. he said it's a, it's a really good vibe. He said and I think we're going to do really well. So okay. I'm going to actually go draw. I know it's mm. a toughie for the first game for them, but I think a draw over there would be like a win. It's really experimental and something different for the Adelaide to have a team pulled largely from uh, Britain. Um, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, we'll see how fair it goes. I think the glory at home, uh, especially in that sort of afternoon time slot, might get a bit hot. We'll see how we go. 
Okay. So I'll go for Perth. All right, you're going for Perth. All right, guys, well done. Um, the A-League is finally going to kick off. Um, we'll have something to talk about uh, on the domestic front every single week. We'll have players, we'll have coaches, we'll go through it all, and hopefully um, we will uh, ride the resurgence of the A-League with the, the new team in it, even though uh, uh, some of us are uh, a little bit uh, dumbfounded as to some of the decisions that are made. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully um, see... Um, the best of Australian football emerge over the coming season and uh, and have a great season of the A-League. Okay, that is the end of the first hour, gentlemen. Stick around because next the uh, next hour has got a lot of Europe on it. Uh, we've got Rob Tanner. We've got Europe. Uh, we're going to go through all of the Euro qualifiers and uh, and we're going to get into the meaty stories in stoppage time. Vardy v Rooney off the pitch. Stick around. It's all happening on Box to Box. Now this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy. Oh! The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. The Athletics' Rob Tanner is going to go through uh, the English Premier League right now with uh, Liverpool holding an eight-point buffer. Can they hold on? They couldn't hold on to a seven-point buffer last year. There must be a hell of a lot of excitement uh, in the north of England about the prospect of that happening, well, at least in some parts, uh, not necessarily in the Manchester side. Uh, more on Europe, the uh, the Euro qualifiers, of course, we'll wrap it up with stoppage time, but Willem, you've got a little bit more news for us, mate? I do, Rob. Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army support the Socceroos as they take on the best of South America in the 2020 Copa America. The tournament kicks off in Argentina in June, so if you'd like to be there, head to ggatravel.com.au. We'll start in the Premier League, where Matt Ryan and Aaron Moy enjoyed a day out for Brighton, dismantling Spurs 3-0. Ryan kept a clean sheet, but it was Moy who was exceptional, uh, playing on the left side of the midfield in just his second start for the club. I thought he was brilliant. Did you catch any of it, Dean? Yeah, I did. Watched the whole game, and um, oh, Tottenham were right, really in all sorts. Yeah, a real mess, they? aren't they? It, 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 you know, from the Lloris, you know, that was a poor goal to concede, but then unfortunate for him to be injured, and I think he's out for over, nearly over a year, yep. so it's not good. Um, but outside of that, I thought Brighton were good value. I thought they they, they had a good tempo about them. They, they got amongst them, and I don't know. They just looked devoid of uh, any confidence, Tottenham, at the moment. Maslowongo scored his first goal for Sheffield Wednesday, which proved to be the winner in their one 0 win over Wigan. Tommy, it's good. Uh, before you go on, yeah. Mus uh, was on the outer for a little while there. He so, was, yeah. Um, he needs to. Um Make the most of every opportunity, doesn't he, Dino? Uh, well, he was buoyed with the move, wasn't he? Like, mm. he was quite happy at Sheffield. Well, we had him on the show, yeah, didn't we? Did. we? And, he, uh, he was really excited and, he, you know, he said, I've, I've only been a bit player so far, but I've, I've got confidence I can get into the team. But we know what how good he can be. Tommy Urich made his debut for Bosnian side CSKA Sofia, coming on in the 77th minute in a 4-0 win. It's been a long time between drinks for Tommy, so good to see him running around yeah, again. Yeah, like, well, we do like Tommy. I mean, I still think he's got a bit... He's just, you know, I'm not sure whether he's got to the heights that he could have possibly done, but that, again, that's down to playing regular football. Yep. Well, there's a lot expected of him, wasn't there, there when, was. when he first broke through? We yep. thought he might be uh, the um, the guy that um, that could uh, open the path to goal, but uh, look, you're either a natural striker or, or you've uh, got a little work a little bit harder. Seems to be he's the the latter, but he's uh, he's still uh, good enough to 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 be a, a regular performer for for the Socceroos Without if he can doubt. stay stay on the path. I think if he just gets a stable uh, life. You know, domestic football, mm. where it's consistently banging goals, and that always gives players confidence when they go into, obviously, the camps with Australia. And on to Postacoglu, watch and remains up to his neck in the J League title race. Yokohama are just three points off top spot with six matches to go. One of the two sides sitting above them, Tokyo, are really struggling. They are uh, without the home venue due to the Rugby World Cup. 
Yeah, well, Scott McIntyre mentioned that uh, to us last time we had him he on ESPN in Asia, and uh, and we do know that uh, that that uh, Angus uh, side uh, have got Tokyo in the last round. So uh, yep. if they can stay in it, then uh, it might be a, a massive finish to, to the season. Uh, that would be a huge story, uh, particularly given uh, the way that uh, Scott. Uh, Sort of described, um, you know, well, for example, say Pep Guardiola um, commenting on uh, on the style of football that he played. So he, he may well be coming under the uh, the notice because we we all remember that uh, a certain Arsene Wenger. Um, no, I was just ma- about to, I was just if you were going to mention, I was just going to say exactly. And, uh, obviously well, Derek, uh, the Arsenal boys. Well, um, made his name at um, in Japan uh, yeah. with Pampas. Uh, Grampus. 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 Yes. Grampus. And uh, um, and uh, yeah, and, and change the face of football um, well really across the world didn't he um, through uh, some of the innovations well, I never, I'd not heard of him at the time no I don't think any of us had, had heard of us and, and you know as a young boy I just found it strange that he had the same sort of name as the team <laughs> I thought we weren't being very imaginative when we were appointing our new manager but um, yeah he, he was started on the scene at Monaco and he actually had some success there and of course um, he got to spot prospects like Henri who ended up coming to Arsenal he went to went to Japan and then yeah our um our, our MD David Dean met him met him at a game they did charades at his house and he thought he was a good 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 guy and brought him over and as I said the rest is history amazing and just a quick word on one of our key Matildas Tamika Gallup will return to Brisbane Raw for the upcoming W League season after she's finished with Klepp in Norway she's the Raw's all-time leading scorer with 49 in 108 and returns having spent last year with Melbourne City Let's have a chat about Man United, boys. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's job could be on the line when they face Liverpool next weekend. The tide seemingly turned on Solskjaer following their abject loss to Newcastle on Sunday. I think it'd be mad to sack him. Uh, the squad is in disarray, but bringing in another manager won't really do anything to change that. I think they need to back him in for at least another window. Well, we'll mention it with Rob when he when he comes on as well. But uh, it is such a big story, isn't it? That uh, it, it warrants, uh, you know. Uh, uh, a pretty long uh, uh, observation on it, uh, and you know it's just it's just sad to see what's happening. I mean, a lot of uh, other club supporters would say, "Sad, you're mad no, to they, suggest that." But they, uh, they were quite cocky yeah. when they were up at the top. Mm. So I mean, most probably most of the supporters outside of uh, Manchester United, uh, I think they'd be quite happy to see them in a world of pain. But I, I was reading in the notes and off the BBC that one of the leading players, it didn't name him. Uh, invites them all out for dinner only five showed up mm. and for me oh, that really? if that is a true story then that's just telling you that it's very much divided yeah i look um I, I personally i think Solskjaer is out of his depth i think we kind of called it when he was appointed um he had a good effect a bounce effect on the team you know on the post Mourinho era but manchester united need to sort their sort their house out they need to appoint a proper manager with proper pedigree that's that's going to take this club forward I think every week that they spend under Solskjaer's it's going to be another week that they're not going to But reflecting on on uh, on on the the sacking of Jose mm. um he he had at least had some degree of organisation. He didn't have mm. the, uh, the 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 dressing room it seemed, but uh, but at least he had uh, some structure going there. Yeah, I, I think so. Look, I think with uh, Van Hal and um, Jose Mourinho, they almost took managers who were on the tail end of of successful careers. So mm. Van Hal was probably in his 
prime 15 20 years ago and remember he, uh, come, know, he just come off the the brazil world cup and the yeah, success there yeah no I, I yeah i think united need to look for a up-and-coming manager that's going to become the next you know but but as as an established pedigree so there's plenty in in that category i think in germany for example so i'd, I'd be or even the guy harsen Hussle down at um southampton mm, yeah, you know so yeah. i think somewhere in that era does Pochettino seem like a viable option to you, Derek? Yeah, well, I think I think he is because he has got a pedigree and whether or not you, you point to the fact he, he doesn't have a trophy in the trophy cabinet, yeah. he has transformed that Tottenham side. He's very well respected. I think there's a whole different range of problems at Tottenham. I think it could actually be a convenient solution for both clubs, um, Tottenham to move Pochettino on um, and start their next rebuild and for United to get a manager of proper pedigree and all players will get behind 35-year-old Bastian Schweinsteiger has announced his retirement from football after Chicago Fire season came to a close. Schweinsteiger was a crucial cog with both Bayern Munich and Germany, winning the treble with his club in 2012-13 and the World Cup in 2014. And he was for mine one of the, the great names of international yeah. football. Certainly was. When he had a com- commentator uh, uh, screaming his name, uh, it was always... Uh, you know, there was something to listen to. a little bit extra about it. Yeah. He was he a good was, footballer. He was really right up there with footballer. the best on his day. And he's testament uh, for mine to Germany's production line of youth to have a guy come through his whole career, play at four, four World Cups mm. and sort of contribute consistently. Over 15,000 Juventus fans have signed a petition to remove club legend Antonio Conte's star from their walk of fame after he signed with Inter as manager. He won 13 trophies with the club as a player and three successive Serie A's as a manager. But the fans now want his star handed to Claudio Marchisio. Conte's hit back. He's described them as vulgar and ignorant, and Italian football continues to hurt its own reputation. Well, there's, there's no love lost um, with Inter at the best of times, let alone the fact that they're the club that hold what uh, the uh, Juventini refer to as the cardboard Scudetto after the uh, Calcio Polia affair um, a few years ago. So for him to be coaching Inter, uh, who they hate uh, as much as they do... You look. You've got a wry grin on your face there, William. You, no, 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 no. I, agree oh, with you. I um, I think there's quite a lot of manager churn in Serie A, and managers <laughs> tend to to always be, you know, supporting you know, managing different teams. You no. know, and that the guy that they're looking at bringing in at Milan now because they've sacked their manager used to manage Inter. So, um, you know, I, I, that's a bit ridiculous, I think. Exactly, yeah, that's, uh, it is ridiculous, it's not going to happen, but that, uh, being married to an Italian I feel qualified to say <laughs> um, the ridiculous is, uh, is not uh, uncommon over there. And just one final one boys, Dino, did you catch the efforts of the Tunisian Sixerside team in Perth? I didn't, You no. didn't? Oh, they fancied some new boots Yeah. and they appeared to rob the Jib Kids sports store in uh, Watergate. <laughs> they walked out with shoes on their feet and in their bags, uh, so the police got involved and for some reason they believed their management had already paid. So they won't press charges on what appeared to be a flat-out robbery from the Tunisians. That's <laughs> <laughs> diplomacy, bit large, mate. Yeah, exactly. Well done. All right, well then, well done. We, uh, uh, we'll take a break now. Um, Rob Tanner's going to come up um, after the break. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. Um, those uh, uh, in the in the red corner uh, are starting to feel um, like the drought might be a about to break. I think. Yes, eight points. And uh, I was talking to George Sefton via uh, a, a Twitter direct message during the week, and um, he's very happy, the big fella. So uh, sends his regards to to all of us, but um, saying, yep, just uh, just look forward to uh, to a big uh, um, well stage sort of two and three of the season. Is, yeah. uh, is, there's lots to like play out, but they've got off to a fabulous start. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll stick around because that is all coming up. Rob Tanner next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? 
The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Well, who would have thought that uh, at this early stage of the Premier League that, um, that Liverpool would have an eight-point lead. Uh, Manchester City have stumbled in recent times and uh, and they've left the way right open for the men in red to break the drought of uh, three decades. To talk about it with us is our great friend Rob Tanner from The Athletic. Rob, um, none of us would have anticipated uh, the, the ladder looking like it is at this early stage. Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I did think that Liverpool and Man City would still be the two outstanding sides in the Premier League this season and they carry on from last season, but... I don't think anybody could have predicted the start to this season. I mean, uh, Liverpool have been absolutely perfect in many ways. I mean, I was there when they beat Leicester last week, and there was a little bit of fortune to, to that. But, you know, if you're going to win titles, if you're going to win trophies, you need a little bit of the rub of the green. And uh, Man City, I mean, the next day on the Sunday was quite a significant day with so many of the potential challengers falling by the wayside, the, the, the so-called big six in many ways. But... Man City's home defeat uh, to Wolves was quite extraordinary. And even though it's so early in the season, we've got 30-odd games to go uh, in the campaign, you have to say it's advantage Liverpool now. So just on that game, uh, that, that Wolves game, I watched uh, the, the lot of it, and Wolves, uh, um, they... Um their, their position on the ladder going into that game belied the you know the quality of um, Nuno Espirito Santo's squad and uh, and what they'd done finishing seventh um, in the previous season in their first season up uh, um, they they look like a team who who was spoiling for a big result but uh, geez um, to, to to go to to um, to Manchester and, and win two 0 in the style that they did um, they they didn't ever look like losing that game. Yeah, but nobody could have predicted that beforehand because the way Wolves were starting this season, it was um, a classic of a side that's had to start the season early in the Europa League and Burnley experienced this the season before. You go in and, you know, the, your focus is starting early. The lads haven't had a proper break from the previous season. So they're coming in, they're already a little bit jaded. They've got to go through a pre-season. Then they're straight into the game. And the focus is so much on Europe because it's unique to them, something the fans haven't experienced for a while. It can be a massive distraction. It has been so far this season. Well, what was remarkable about that uh, performance for me was Adama Traore. Um, mm. This is a guy who's got... Uh, he's come with great uh, sort of reputation, but uh, all the time he's been in England, and I remember watching him at Middlesbrough, he's a guy that's never been able to deliver. He's got fantastic pace. He's built like a, a boxer. You know, he goes and spends a lot of time in the gym. But when I've seen him in the past, he's great at beating the fullback, getting to the byline. But every time he tries to whip across in, you know, it ends up in the back of the stand rather than in the six-yard box. And uh, it was a lot of question marks about whether he's got the quality in the final third to deliver. But he really delivered at Man City. And that was, is what made it so extraordinary. And... Uh, Man City was so dominant in uh, domestically uh, last season. I mean, you can't do any better than winning every trophy available. Um, and that's a real eye-opener for them, a real um, awakening for them. We'll see after the international break if they can respond to that, because at the moment, Liverpool look like uh, they're unstoppable. Robert Sterrick here. Do you think that... Um you know, there's a motivation factor here, possibly. I mean, Liverpool are now on a run of they've lost one game out of the last 46, which is just an unbelievable run of form yeah. spreading across two seasons. And clearly they're on a one-way mission uh, for the league and, and the whole city, are probably the red half is behind it. Whereas Man City won the Premier League two years in a row. The, the focus is on 
the European Cup, you would have thought, and obviously this Guardiola effect, which unfortunately seems to be creeping in a little again, where um, potentially the methods or the training uh, doesn't stop, it sort of stops getting through after a period of time. Do you think there's some of that going on? The latter, there might be a case of that, yeah. I mean, he's, if you look at everywhere he's gone, he's had a magnificent impact in the first couple of seasons he's been there, and then it's sort of tailed off. But if there's any uh, questions about focus solely on the Champions League this season, I think the start to this season will really get them refocused because, you know, they can't allow that. They've won back-to-back uh, titles, and they can't allow that to to meter out into some sort of uh, pathetic uh, attempt to retain the title. They've really got to muster a challenge because, uh, to be quite honest, there's nobody else in the Premier League I think that could challenge Liverpool other than Man City. So for the sake of the Premier League uh, integrity this season, I think Man City really need to up their game. I don't think anybody else is in the shape to challenge. Uh, Rob, it's Dean. How are you? Hi, Dean. How are you? Yeah, going well. I just wanted to talk about your, I suppose, old team, Leicester City, on well, their, on their start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been very, very good. Um, I think uh, the defeat at Man United, you know, uh, that was a bit of a disappointment. But uh, uh, at Liverpool, if you saw the game, it's uh, it was a strange one, really. There's a lot of controversy about the penalty that was given late on that handed Liverpool the victory. They were very close to being the first team to take points off Liverpool this season. They're, they're playing with a freedom and a confidence under Brendan Rodgers that they probably didn't have under Claude Puel. Um, there was a lot of uh, dissatisfaction about some of the training methods being very continental and very slow and you know very tactical and a lot of standing around on the training ground. Brendan's got them uh, very intense. It's full on. Uh, it's very tiring, in fact, as well. So the um, recuperation is vital leading up to the games. But so far... He's given some of the attacking players a lot of licence and you've seen it quite a bit from James Madison this season. He's uh, He's been quite a, a revelation again this season. Unfortunately, he's had to pull out the England squad for these internationals through illness. Otherwise, he would have probably earned his first uh, England cap. Jamie Vardy looks like he's uh, you know he's still got it in him as well. So um, It's been a, a very encouraging start to the season and I thought if they went to Anfield and won, we could really consider them contenders as well this season. Why wouldn't you uh, if you go to Anfield and win? But um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. They gave it a valiant effort. But uh, yeah, I think uh, everybody at Leicester is very encouraged by the start they've made. This is Box to Box on Into Yes News Talksport. We're talking to Rob Tanner from The Athletic. Now, Rob, you talked about Leicester, and I, I don't want to get distracted from the football talk here, but uh, uh, you mentioned Jamie Vardy, and then there has been a, a massive story blow up in, uh, in England oh, I know. during week. Yeah. So is Jamie <laughs> going to get a little distracted, given that his wife um, has been, um, it seems, busted um, by, uh, by trolling Colleen Rooney? What's, what's going on there? Oh, it's such a bizarre story. I mean, I think the media in this country have had so much fun with it mm. as well. And uh, they've dubbed Colleen Rooney uh, Wag of the Christian. <laughs> the way she's funny. gone about... Because uh, <laughs> obviously the uh, wives of the, of the players are called the Wag. Mm. And um, the way she's gone about um, uh, apparently uh, weeding out who he's uh, been selling stories about, obviously... Uh, you know, Rebecca's uh, denied it, and she's getting lawyers involved. I, I have to say, from from the um, lot of the players that I know that are certainly registered and uh, with top agencies, uh, they don't deal with their own social media. Mm. Other people do it for them. 
Um, so there might be an element of that, and there's still the question mark in this country as well about hacks. But I'd be amazed if there's newspaper hacks into social media. The Leverson inquiry might need to be opened up again. Yeah, absolutely, the the furore. But I don't know Rebecca very well. I've only met her a few times. So, but um, she has got a reputation as well. So um, it'd be very interesting how that's played out. I mean, that was front page news today. All the things that are going on in the world and. And in the UK, we've Brexit and everything <laughs> happening. And we've, and we've got a spat between Colleen Ro- Rooney and uh, Rebecca Vardy on the front page of our newspaper. You think, well, have we got our priorities right? I don't think so. <laughs> mate, um, what, he, he who is uh, without sin, mate, uh, and glass houses and all that sort of stuff. So, mate, we just think it's funny because uh, we've got plenty of our own yeah, garbage absolutely. going on. Yeah, absolutely. Great here. entertainment. Yeah. It's great yeah. entertainment so when, they, when they go at it. But uh, it's like, like watching a fight on a school ground isn't it really you know when you're at, uh, when you're back at school yeah. the fighting over a boyfriend or something it's strange that's bizarre uh, Rob, when we talk about the the so-called crisis clubs uh, briefly and these seem to shuffle every week I'm an Arsenal fan and I don't think we're one of them this week we're sitting third in the table after a a pretty uninspiring 1-0 win but I'll take it but um, Spurs and, and Manchester United for for different reasons now looking very hard at themselves at their managers at the the playing squads um, do you think any of these teams can, can turn it around or is it going to be a long old season? It's very interesting what's happened at Tottenham this year I mean having reached the Champions League final and uh, you know, there seems to be such a feel-good factor about them. But, just, but again, as we've talked about the Pep sort of phenomenon, um, how he's been at other clubs and it's been a, a two- or three-year cycle and then it's all faded away. You look at Poch and you think, well, has he taken them as far as he possibly can? What a great ride it's been, but they actually haven't won anything. But, uh, you know, the way they've started this season, and, uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction in the summer. There was players that wanted to leave, like Ericsson and... A lot of question marks about some of the other players, about their attitude. And uh, it, it does feel like it's a, a watershed moment for Tottenham for this side. Like we've come to the end of that life cycle and perhaps they need somebody or something to kick them along the road now. Because they've not they've, they've punched above their weight, as bizarrely it sounds, because compared to the top sides in the Premier League, they haven't spent the money because a lot of it was invested in the new stadium, which hosted a, an NFL game at the weekend, you know, so they've, that, they've got a resource there that's going to uh, stand them in good stead going forward. But uh, I think in the meantime, they're sort of detracted from uh, the investment on the pitch. And uh, whilst they, I think Potch has done a fantastic job at Tottenham to be there contending for these trophies over the last few years, they haven't crossed the line to win something. And it just feels like now, this, like, you know, there are a lot of those lads I think, well, am I ever going to win something here? And like Ericsson, and, and do I want to, you know, move on and face a new challenge? And if you start seeing Ericsson going and Adebayor and Vertonghen and, and all these guys moving on, will Harry Kane then turn around and think, hmm, perhaps I need to move on as well? So it's going to be very interesting what happens with them. Man United, they just look like a team that don't really know their identity and where they want to go in the future I mean Solskjaer's come in and he's trying to bring these uh, some of the younger lads in and they've signed Harry Maguire for £80 million from Leicester and, but it still doesn't seem to be clicking on the pitch and uh, you know it's, it, there's a debate on it and uh, Oliver Kay one of our writers at The Athletic put a very good article online this week about you know 
you know, it's all right giving, having patience and giving managers time, but if it's the wrong manager, you're just wasting time. Uh, so there's a lot of Man United fans, I would imagine, they'll be thinking that now with Solskjaer, despite his connection and his you know, legacy with the club uh, moving forward. Arsenal, Arsenal are just Arsenal. <laughs> Every season, you know, there's so much potential and they've got some very good players, but they just don't seem to have that consistency. They don't seem to have that, well, I dare say, backbone. You know, that sort of determination, that spirit, that when they are against, uh, backs against the wall, can they dig out a 1-0 victory? Can they uh, really fight and scrap for a, for a few points rather than play the champagne football? They've always been seen in the last few years as, flat track bullies in some respects when they come up against the weaker teams they can decimate them and then when they come up against the bigger boys they really uh, come unstuck so and I can't see that changing at the moment Arsenal will there will always be there and thereabouts but I don't think they've got the qualities within their side at the moment to uh, cross the line yeah, I was going to let Derek go in with one more time. One more question, Rob, but we've run out of time, but I'm just sort of looking at that sort of dazed look on his face when he hears about Arsenal and he's thinking, yeah, I, yeah that's I, a pretty look, fair I, assessment. I, um, I actually <laughs> am quite enjoying watching some of the young players playing for Arsenal, Rob. Uh, take your point around, you know, we've come a long way from, from the Wenger era, but I'm enjoying seeing some of these younger players getting a chance and they seem to be quite And on that well. point, uh, Derek, um, we, 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 we could drift into a long conversation about Arsenal, but we're not going to do it. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll park that one for next time. Rob, thank you very much, mate. You're always um, great with your time, mate. We really appreciate it. and uh, Enjoy and no good problem. again. Thank you very much. No worries, Rob Tanner on Box to Box. Okay, stoppage time. Not stoppage time next. We're going to talk Europe next, don't we, boys? Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to go through all the Euro qualifiers, yep. which uh, there is a stack of uh, on over the next few days. Stick around for that on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal. Well, we've just talked about it. It's the international break, of course, and uh, we've got a a lot of Euro qualifiers to get through. But before we get through them, I want to talk about Storage King because they are the kings of storage moving and more. Just go to storageking.com.au to find your nearest store. There's a space estimator. It's going to help you find the right size storage unit that you need. There are stores all over Australia. The staff are absolute experts. It's affordable. That's the thing that I think a lot of people who who need extra space but probably think, you know, is it the sort of thing that uh, is in the family budget? Well, give the guys at Storage King a call and you'll find out just how affordable it is. And once uh, you've got the space back at home, you'll find out that... uh, the uh, budget from the family budget that you're spending on your storage is uh, probably some of the best money that you spent, wouldn't you, Dina? Certainly would. Yep, and, uh, I'm certainly down there, so... Exactly. You just uh, uh, you can't move um, all that money on stamp duty, uh, looking around for a new home and uh, all the disruption that that causes. Seriously, storing is an option that uh, will achieve a lot of the things that you're looking for when you're looking for you know, a larger home to live in because uh, it effectively gives you that mixture. So store it with Storage King as the jingle says, and you will not be disappointed. So, guys, um, we've got the Euro qualifiers uh, on right now. Um, the, um, uh, the the whole structure works uh, in a way, just to, to recap, where the um, 
the group winners and runners-up qualified directly for, for Euro 2020, which is being played across Europe next year. So the countdown is, is less than 12 months away. And then the best-performing teams from the UEFA Nations League, which we've already discussed, will contest the playoffs. Um, there's uh, eight groups, uh, and uh, the, the, the shape is starting to take place. But but uh, the, um, the this weekend's games, there's some, there's some real critical matches um, being played to, to shape uh, the future of, uh, of teams that are sort of on the brink of qualifying well I think if you even just start off with group A which is uh, England's group um, they've got an impeccable start to their uh, campaign obviously four wins out of four 12 points three points ahead of the Czech Republic who are in second place and obviously that's who they play and for England to win that was most probably I don't know mathematically but it most probably would have a foot in the door well given that um, that they um, they've Played at um, it seems like one match less uh, in in the the five group cycle. Yeah, uh, that that makes sense. Derek, would you uh, concur? England are going to qualify from this group. England are always going to be qualifying yeah, from this we, group. Um, this game against the Czech Republic represents their toughest game probably on paper. Even if they drew or lost this game, it doesn't. Uh, cause a disaster for no. England um, Gareth Southgate has rotated his pack again uh, shuffled his pack in terms of squad personnel he's left out more established players like Kyle Walker and Deli Alley yep. he's giving it looks like he'll give debuts to a couple of Chelsea prospects uh, Tammy Abraham and Tomori um, yep. the centre back who's played extremely well Done really well Derby know him from Derby yeah. last year obviously you know um, fantastic looking prospect so England England no problems. I think the thing that we're potentially all talking about is how the fans are going to behave at these games. And I will, first of all, preface this by saying the England fans going away to Prague, a, a, a city renowned for <laughs> cheap uh, lads holidays and booze tours um, on a Friday night. Doesn't yeah, feel like nice. they've planned this one particularly well. No, it's not good. No, it isn't. And look, and we, we do know, unfortunately, with the England fans, they... Uh, they can be boisterous, to, to put it. Well, to what, do you, what do you guys know from a security point of view? When, when the big tournaments are on, we always hear uh, that um, that the, the local police have um, have got the measure of the uh, you know the the known hooligans, the the disruptors. Um, that uh, before they even get out of the country, they're often uh, well, they often have their passports removed. But uh, but does it filter down through to to the qualifiers uh, as well? Oh yeah, the, the the Prague police have got a pretty stiff presence, and they're expecting the, the England fans um, will probably go to whatever the main square is, square, I don't know yeah. what it is but they'll go and put their flags up there I believe at least 20 to 30 British police officers are also working closely to identify anyone who's a known troublemaker and of course um, the, the, the presence of these fans also draws out the local hooligan element as well and there will be in any country that they go to so mm. let, let's hope it's a quiet night and yeah. let's hope it's a, a win for England and then Obviously, when we're in the ground, the other thing we'll be listening out for is whether the England players, and particularly the the, the black players, will will be respected by local fans. Yeah, exactly, which is not guaranteed. Um, and uh, you know, we've discussed uh, some of the issues um, in the past uh, around um, around the, the the likelihoods of of walk-offs and um, and uh, um, and player uh, protests on the pitch. Um, yeah, look, it, it's been it's been uh, the focus of most of the talkback radio in the UK over the last 48 hours. Um, and everyone's got a view. Everyone's got a slight. I think everyone's in more or less the same boat. But there's always just little percentages of different. Like if they walk off, are they walking away from the problem? 
and again so then people had different opinions on that and and, and I think I think it, for me every, everyone's got to get together got to get the top nations in Europe to get together like the Germans the Spanish um, the French etc etc get the police together to say we've all got black players in all of these countries and it's got to stop now and do it as a, as a and then if you get that you've then got some grunt but if just the England team doing it on its own well I'm not sure Sure. Yeah, look, it's um, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, here we all sit, um, you know, pearly white skin in this studio. I mean, I know there's, uh, you know, plenty of cultural diversity. Um, you know, I come from a, you know, half uh, Anglo-Celtic, half Middle Eastern background. Um, I'm a mother, and uh, um, you know, and you know, I, I remember copying some of the, you know, the very inventive ways of Australian kids wanting to to bag you, um, calling you a bloody white walk. But um, <laughs> you know, it, uh, they'd find a way somehow. But uh, you know. We we never um, you know it never bothered us back then but but you know if uh, you know it's like Martin Luther King said you know one day uh, you know I have a dream you know yeah. that one day uh, all men will be judged by the content of their character rather than by the colour of their skin, skin and uh, it just uh, it just doesn't make any sense does it No it doesn't so um, so let's just sort of round out the the, the broader groups because we've, we've yeah, focused well, on that issue but uh, but there's a lot of games and look there's a lot on the line for the Czech Republic because Kosovo uh, you know are breathing down their necks um, they're only one point away so so there is a lot um, in that result so you know it's not out of the question that um, that this could be a banana peel for, for England in that group no without doubt and I think uh, moving to group B uh, Ukraine are flying at the moment uh, mm. having played five games they're 13 points against Portugal who have played one less game so that would obviously bridge the gap should Portugal win that game to two point gap but it's uh it's interesting because Serbia are lurking also just behind them. That's quite a tough. That, that, yeah, that is a tough group with Ukraine, group, Portugal, that. Serbia. Um, it's uh, not out of the question that um, that the defending champions, um, if uh, if they they don't uh, you, know, you know stay um, on top of their game, could um, could miss out altogether. Um, they seem to be rebounding a bit after a bit of a sluggish start. Yeah, look, compared to England's group, this is far tougher prospects. Tougher, yeah. And uh, I expect the, the two that are both there in the top two to go through. Um, Portugal have got a gimme against um, Luxembourg coming up. And yeah, it'll all go down to that game in Kiev, I think, as Dino said. I think the Group C uh, is, is a pretty exciting group. Mm. The fact Who would have thought? If you were a Northern, Northern Ireland fan, <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you, you'd frame the, the ladder right now and put it up on the wall, yeah. wouldn't you? Uh, with um, Northern Ireland on top, uh, Germany, the Dutch, um, even Belarus, then they're, they're no duffers uh, generally, hmm. and Estonia. Look, it's a, it's an interesting group. I mean, the Netherlands have got that game in hand, which is obviously going to be important for them because they play two games in this against Northern Ireland, which is going to be massive, and then obviously against Belarus. But it, I, I still think it's going to be a three-horse race, and I think it's going to be too tight. To after these games, I think we'll have a better picture of what this group maybe looks like. Okay, and then um, and then Group D, um, uh, Ireland um, themselves, um, Denmark, who uh, we all saw at, at pretty close range uh, in Russia, and, and Switzerland. Usually, um, well, these days we expect Switzerland to do pretty well, but they're third in that group ahead of Georgia and Gibraltar. Well, they have got that game in hand. So, again, if they were to win that, and just looking at the schedule here, they're playing the two games so Denmark away and then they're at home to the Republic of Ireland so they're, they're not easy games because it's obviously the, the top two that they're playing but that's where this is where if they do get the results right they can actually jump 
possibly even if they win the two of the games, it could possibly be top by the end of this uh, campaign. Yeah, and with Ireland on 11, Denmark 9, and, and Switzerland 8. And as we, we've also got to concede that we, as we speak, there are going to be live games. So so listeners listening to um, the podcast uh, may be tuning in after some of the, the games have been played. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we take that into consideration. So um, just, a, just a word for Edge as well. He'll be keen to see uh, Gibraltar possibly get their first win of the campaign at home to Georgia. I know he's uh, adopted the, the, uh, the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we'll be keen to see the, the Gibraltars get up there. Um, With a goal difference of minus 16 versus mm. Georgia's minus four. Um, mm. oh, I don't know that Edge... Um, oh, this group's really fascinating because the Republic of Ireland, they've already got a kind of a weird situation where Mick McCarthy is this caretaker manager before a kind of younger domestic uh, manager whose name escapes me comes in to take the job. But and a lot of people have said that Ireland have kind of they're there because of the quirks of the fixture list and they've had a couple of games against Gibraltar or whatever yeah. sorry Edge um, <laughs> and uh, but look points on the board I want to see I'd like to see points on the board and as you said Switzerland exactly. Switzerland don't win both of those games and they've got a massive problem they have okay so look we uh, I think we uh, we'll probably skip through the, the the groups a little quicker now mm. guys so Group E. Uh, um, well, this is big for Wales. They've mm-hmm. uh, they've got that game in hand, and I think they've got the two games, which is at Slovakia and against Croatia at home, which will be really tough. I don't see it. No, I think Giggsy might be might be toast uh, for Wales. Uh, it's been a pretty disappointing campaign for them, and those fixtures look hard. They do. But yeah, if they were to uh, turn it around, I mean, they're out they're out Rambo in the first game. It's not going to be yeah. fit for it. So hopefully Rambo comes back for the second. Mm. But to be fair, Croatia are a good side. We know that they got to the semis in the world. Well, sorry, to the final in the World Cup. Mm. Uh, and then obviously Slovakia, you know, they're always competitive as as are Hungary, and yeah, pretty poor start from Wales. But I think these two games are going to be compelling for that country, and and hopefully they get the two wins. Okay, Group F: Spain, Sweden, Romania, Norway, Malta, Faroe Islands. Sweden and Spain taking each other on in the first round of these fixtures. So, you know, uh, really Spain are through already, I yeah, think. But um, Sweden will be hoping to to beat the Spanish maybe, you know, and, and, and go keep ahead of their Scandinavian rivals. I'm sure they'll be, that'll be keenly But Romania to, to um, are, are uh, you know, they've got that um, proud football pedigree and they seem to uh, be... Um, be uh, on the wave of a, of a new era now, so they're only one point behind in that group. And Norway, um, uh, two points from uh, from second spot, so it, it's a pretty tight group. Uh, group G: Poland, Slovenia, Austria, Northern Macedonia, Israel, Latvia. Uh, Poland uh, um, on top, comfortably uh, ahead of Slovenia and Austria, just one point behind. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually tighter. Than it looks. I mean, it's it's only five points from one to four, so there's there's still plenty to play in this. And I think I think from a Poland point of view, uh, they play the two games. So if they were to get maximum points, then I think that's that's done and dusted. Then. Yeah. So Poland have got Latvia, um, uh, Northern Macedonia against Slovenia, Austria uh, against Israel in that one. So uh, Group H: Turkey, France, Iceland, Albania, Moldova, Andorra. So. Uh, uh, so Turkey on top. Um, I like this group. France uh, on goal difference they've, alone. They played one game more, so I don't know how that's happened. So this mm. this group's a bit more developed than yeah. than the others. But Iceland, France, and France Turkey are the two fixtures that stand out for me um, in this group. And 
uh, we've said this about a lot of the groups, but, uh, you know, by the time we get to the end of this fixtures, I think this group will be getting uh, a little clearer. Um, but, yeah. but certainly Iceland can't be ruled out. And, and the French, obviously, are fabulous, um, you know, the World Cup winners. And, yeah. you know, life isn't easy in this group. Um, and it's not easy in the next group, Group I, because the, there are two teams that are well and truly in front. Belgium and Russia on 21 and 16 points, respectively. Um, the, the next nearest is Cyprus on 10, Kazakhstan and Scotland 7, and San Marino uh, holding up the uh, the bottom of the group. Yeah, it's a two-horse race, isn't it, this one? Scotland yeah. have had a, a very disappointing um, campaign. There were high hopes for Steve Clark as the uh, manager. He'd come off a great yeah. run with uh, Kilmarnock. He's obviously well respected as a coach in the game, but this Scotland team's had, had issues for a long, a long time, and the, you know the, the sort of relative quality of the Scottish Premier League, and and just not those iconic players that I suppose we grew up with, Dean and Ace Arthur and all of those, you Willie know, Johnsons, Doug Leash and Soonesses and people yeah. like that. They don't seem to exist anymore uh, in Scotland. So um, yeah, Belgium and Russia on on the way. And the final group, J, um, Italy's uh, redemption after the humiliation of missing out in Russia looks to be complete. Um, they're well and truly on top of that group uh, ahead of Finland. So Italy undefeated, six wins from six games. Uh, Finland, uh, four from six on 12 points. So that six-point margin, Armenia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Greece. Uh, geez, the mighty have fallen there. They're not going to make it. The only route is, is via the... Uh, uh, those Euro qualify or the, the Nations Cup, I should say, and uh, and the the final uh, outfit there, Liechtenstein guys. Um, we will reflect on these a little bit more uh, on another occasion, but let's wrap it up now because uh, we are well and truly over time. So uh, uh, we've got a, a couple of little uh, things to reflect on in stoppage time. Willem's going to join us again, uh, so stick around for that. We'll wrap up the show. Box to box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is box to box. This is stoppage time. There are only three and a half minutes left for some of the deeper analysis um, of one of the big, big international stories of football. The Vardy Rooney story. Um, everyone's on the edge of their seats, wanting to to get to the bottom of this. Uh, it's absolutely absurd. But before we do, do you experience muscle cramps? Try the Caruso Super Magnesium range from Chemist Warehouse. The range includes Caruso Super Magnesium, 240 tablets, topical cream, Super Magnesium powder. It's all there with six forms of magnesium to assist absorption. It re- helps to relieve muscle spasms and cramping. Plus, it provides support for healthy cardiovascular function. It helps you sleep too and relax. Try the new size Caruso Super Magnesium 240 tablets from just $16.99. Always read the label. Follow directions for use. If symptoms persist, talk to your healthcare professional. Chemist Warehouse. The great savings are every single day. Now, gentlemen, um, we did touch on this with um, with Rob Tanner. Uh, we've got about two and a half minutes. Um, Derek, um, you are a, a very serious analyst of the world game. This row between um, Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy. <laughs> What's going on? What literally? What's going on? <laughs> well, give us give us twenty seconds. Well, for, look, for anybody um, who's tuning in for the first time who has got no oh, idea. Oh well, um, Colleen Rooney um, thinks that Rebecca Vardy has been using her privileged access to her social media to sell stories to tabloid newspapers in in England and outed her on uh, very publicly 
and Rebecca Vardy's reacted very angrily to say that she hasn't been doing that and to be fair she doesn't need the money I think she said so let's put it down to maybe one of her minions doing this instead oh my god Derek that's a that's a free pass um, off this do you really believe that um I don't know if I believe it or not. We can just tell we're in the international break at the moment in the UK because this sort of story could actually get some oxygen. Oxygen, yeah. Um, I think otherwise it would be, you know, pretty short shrift. Well, I'm you're laughing over there. Yeah, can I just say, Colleen can seriously spin a yarn. It was a gripping read that she mm. wrote, and I think maybe Steve Bruce needs to have a word because his <laughs> books haven't gone too well. Colleen might be in for a bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. So The Sun said each of the stories provided the newspaper was put to Rooney's representatives before publication, and on each occasion they declined to comment. Like all reputable, that's The Sun, reputable media organisations, we don't comment on stories. And uh, I do love that hashtag, Wagatha Christie um, mm. is um, hilarious. Hilarious. All right, guys. Well, great show tonight. And I think we've given that story about as much as it deserved. Um, we're looking forward to the A-League kicking off tonight. A bunch of um, Euro qualifiers um, over the weekend. And, yeah, and, um, it's exciting. I think we can most probably see a real good position now in all the groups, um, depending on the results. Derek, thank you, mate. We'll see you again next week. Thank you very much, gents. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, guys. And Nigel pressing the buttons. All right, we'll stick around um, for another week. I say stick around for... A weekend of action in the A-League, Euros, etc. And we will do it all again next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game on Box to Box.